0: talk about how this show is about... Oh, no,
1: I have to recap it, right? Yeah,
0: you do everything, and then yeah, yeah, I okay, so, do the introduction of Patrick. So
1: what do we talk about? We yes. talk about Patrick uh, doing the thing. <laughs> All right, I think I'm ready.
0: You're listening to The John Chee Show, hosted by three Korean-American adoptees diving headfirst into what it means to be adopted, Korean-American, and more. And now, here's
1: your hosts, Nathan, Patrick, and KJ... Welcome everyone to the John Chi Show. This is episode two. Uh, We are so, so excited to be doing this. Uh, Thank you for giving us a listen. Uh, This is your host, KJ. This this is
2: Nathan. (laughs) And this is Patrick. Hey, Nathan, uh, what does John Chi mean in Korean?
0: John Chi. Well, John Chi is about celebration, celebrating our Korean adoption heritage, and a little bit about uh, our journeys and our stories, finding maybe some other people with similar stories. Nathan, what does Nathan mean in Korean? Nathan is not a Korean word.
1: So today, uh, since this is episode two, we are continuing in our series of introducing ourselves. And so we sat down with Patrick Armstrong. We're very grateful for him being here, making the time uh, to record his own podcast. Uh, And we talk about lots of things. Uh, Patrick tells us a little bit about um growing up in the midwest he talks about his rap career that he later decided he was too good for and decided to go do a new thing um he got involved with a nonprofit relief effort down in houston texas after hurricane harvey uh, and was so inspired that he decided to start a nonprofit of his own um and then we talk about kind of him and his now fiance spoiler alert uh and their relationship and just what it's meant for Patrick to learn about being a Korean American, to learn about being adopted, uh, starting his journey a little bit later in life than maybe some of us, um, and where he's at now and where he's hoping to go from here. So we hope that you're excited. On with the show.
0: Perfect. So we're jumping right in, right? So, yeah,
1: patty here. cakes.
0: Okay. The Baker's man. That's me. So here we are. We are on episode two, interviewing Patrick. Patrick, welcome to your show. <laughs> Thanks. I'm glad to be here. Just like everyone. We're episode. excited to have you. Ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, this I mean this is great. We're we're doing so much already this this uh first couple of weeks here. I'm excited. But uh, I know you were on Dear Asian American already with uh, Jerry, so there's a lot of information that you gave him. And but for the, our viewers specifically and listeners, we should probably start with learning a little bit about yourself. So a little bit about your history, uh, where you were raised, family, and uh, um, just you know the the basic details.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, so I was born in Seoul uh, in March 1990. Adopted in June nineteen ninety, and uh, ended up with my family in Rensselaer, Indiana. Um, it's a really small town, about halfway uh, between Chicago and Indianapolis on I sixty five. My parents, two years later, adopted uh, another Korean girl from Busan, non biological sister. Um, and overall, we had a pretty good um, a pretty good life in Indiana. Um, it was very predominantly white in the town that we grew up in, not a lot of diversity. So I think growing up that took a little bit of getting used to a lot of getting used to, I would say. Um, and you know, it's, it's a, it took a lot of finding ourselves, I think, um, which we were able to do. We had a really good relationship with our family. Our family was able to provide us with a lot of things, a really solid foundation, Um, just a really good base to, to grow from and grow out of. Um, and when I graduated from high school, I went to Ball State for a semester. Then I went to Purdue, studied creative writing, ended up dropping out, did some music stuff, which I'm sure that we might get to. Um, and then just worked a lot, a lot of different jobs and a lot of different places. Lived in San Diego for a year lived the majority of my adult life i'd say in indianapolis but lived in west lafayette for a while as well after i was at purdue and then um ended up in chicago for a time went to houston for a time and did some volunteer work after hurricane harvey um and then when i was up in chicago actually started a nonprofit with my sister um and a couple other friends who had good skills to to utilize there and now i'm back in indianapolis again doing some new stuff so a little bit of running around doing a lot of things and a lot of being in Indiana doing other things.
0: And your parents are still at the same, uh, same house that you were raised in?
2: Uh, no, actually. So I owned a house in West Lafayette and my parents, my mom specifically, uh, just never really settled into country life. We lived just on the outskirts of my small hometown and she yes. is not a big <laughs> fan of mice or rats and we had those there. So she wanted to get out of there, and I was getting ready to leave to go to Indianapolis, and it just worked out. So they just moved into the house that I owned, and it was just a real smooth transition. So they're in West Lafayette now. Okay,
0: so that's pretty close then. What the what what's the the history and heritage behind your your parents?
2: Yeah, so they are both white. Uh, my mom's side of the family is really like Polish and Irish uh, Germanic, uh, I believe. My dad's side, I am not 100% sure. Um, (laughs) I think it's roughly, fairly the same, Um, some of those Germanic countries, but, uh, you know, that's a great question. I should ask him sometime.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm just curious. One thing I wonder about a lot of of, uh, adoptees in general, I wonder how much history and family tree background they know about their uh, adopted family because it was something that really interested me when I was being raised in Oklahoma and wondering where my parents came from, where their parents came from. And I went back as far as I could. I made a tree. Uh, I went even as far back to find like one of the, uh, my family came from a a mortuary uh, business. And so I found the mortuary that was bought out and contacted them and things like oh, that. Nice. So it's just little things I would, you know, I don't know. It's the internet, you know, lots of time to, to do some research. And, and, uh, I'm wondering of how many other adoptees have done things like that. I'm really curious to, to, to hear, but.
2: Well, it's funny that you bring that up because as I've been on this journey of self-discovery, um, for my own heritage and that Korean part of my identity, uh, I've told myself too, that I'm like, you know, I want to learn as much as I can about my adoptive family's history too. Cause it's, I've been thinking about what am I going to pass down to my eventual kids? Like, am I just going to have one side of the story or the other? Like, what am I going to do? And how, do, how am I going to approach that? And I'm like, well, I should probably learn as much as I can. Um, so I've just been really, I've actually been doing that now with my family, with my grandma, on my mom's side, it's my last remaining grandparent of my adopted parents. And, uh, We've been having some really great conversations, so it's been really, it's been a fun journey to be on for that.
0: That's cool. I, I even found one of my third cousins on Facebook, and of course, you know, I contacted them and said, "Hey, I'm, I, I think I'm a third cousin of yours," and they're probably looking at me like, "What, you're Asian?" <laughs> Did they respond? <laughs> they did. They, they, I mean, they, because I did had they to. In with, the...
1: But you're Asian. <laughs> yeah. But in the How original,
0: the original email, I had to clarify, or the message, I had to clarify. By the way, I'm adopted into the family, <laughs> so just so they didn't freak out. They go, "Why is this, this? guy like contacting me? Is he like identity theft? What is he gonna do? I feel he like you have a pretty.
1: Oh, I guess you're cousins though. so You wouldn't necessarily share a last name, even. Yeah. Well
0: oh, we did. So weird. that was the one thing that I oh, that was easier to that would be find really him. Is it? His last name was the same, um, and but he lived in Pennsylvania, and so yeah, it was it was a little bit of a stretch. Again, he's a third cousin, so he's my grandparents' siblings' great grandchild. So you know, it, it it took a while to convince, but it, in the end, we we connected. So, um, and you're, you said your sister is just a few years younger than you. You said she also looked into a little bit of her journey of uh, Korean adoption as well.
2: Uh, yeah, she's done the DNA test. She's done 23andMe and Ancestry. It was actually located two cousins, I believe. One who they had like a, uh, a minimal correspondence, I would say, via email, but lived in Chicago. So we know that they are fairly close. Um, but overall, in terms of just embracing Korean identity and heritage, she was a little bit more into that than I was, especially growing up. Um, she's actually been to Korea too, not on a journey per se, but, uh, on her honeymoon, they went, her, her and her husband went to Japan and then to South Korea as well. Um, and then she's just always been just, I'd say slightly more connected to the mm-hmm. culture overall than I have been. Um, mm-hmm. but it's been, it's been cool to follow along with her doing that. Um, like right now she's got a Korean cookbook and she's learning how to cook. So I'm waiting for her to be done with that so I can learn how to cook.
1: i thought you were just like i'm (laughs) over
2: this
1: (laughs) is it in english or is it in korean
2: i think it's in english i don't think she can speak korean she might be able to though i wouldn't put it past her she's very very studious and smart speaking of
0: food i mean you're in indianapolis so what what is the korean food like in indianapolis
2: um and is that even of
0: interest for you
2: so I'd say I'm just now broaching that. Growing up super American, I was like, you know, had you talked about you've grown up on steak and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's what I did. You add corn in the mix and it's pretty much the exact same thing <laughs> that I'm eating. Um, Lots of
0: potatoes.
2: Yeah. I would, for a long time, it was just, you'd lump all the different Asian foods into, the, into Asian food. You just call mm-hmm. it that. And I never really, I like it. But I've never really differentiated it. And now as I've been on this journey for the past two months, I'm like, I really need to start going to these places or at least ordering from them. So I've got a list now of places that I'm going to try that are really close geographically to where I live. So it's easy for me to go there. I want to go there. But I've been going to the Asian markets and the, (laughs) and the, the grocery stores that they have around here. It's a lot. There's like 20 within like a 10 mile radius of me. So it's been it's been cool to go and find them because they're always tucked in like a little strip mall or just kind of a way. Like if you're just driving by, you wouldn't catch them in your peripheral.
0: But uh, sometimes you don't even know that they're an Asian market sometimes unless you see some, you know, some Korean writing or or Japanese or something on the outside. I've seen a few that I was like, "I, I don't know what that is. And then. I get closer and I go, oh, okay. That's a yeah,
2: and they bucket. always have a ton of stuff in the windows, hanging mm-hmm. up in the windows. So it's like you can't even necessarily see in. So unless it's right. big letters across the top or, or anything like that, sometimes I just I just miss it. Sometimes yeah. I'm not very observant. Well, you'll have to try. I, I looked up a couple
0: of your restaurants in the area, like Cafe Korea, uh, Bondo's and Mama Mama's Korean Restaurant. And it seemed to be three authentic looking Korean restaurants. So, yeah, Bondos is one that's those. on my list. So, okay, you cool. have to try that. That the, the, they look pretty good. Um, they're all rated really highly four and a half, like four and a half, 4.7 out of five stars. So, um, they're doing something right out there. So,
2: yeah, I mean, it's funny you say that in my hometown because we talked about last time how your small hometown of 30,000 was a little bit bigger than my small hometown of 5,000. <laughs> We did have, I can't remember specifically when, I think it was when I was in middle school, we had an Asian family, the Chinese family, move into uh, our town, and I never really befriended them, but they started a Chinese restaurant there, and it was uh. extremely popular. I'm pretty sure it's still there, being very popular. Oh, but, you messed uh, up not being friends with them. I know. <laughs> I know, right? I, I was trying to fit in with the, with the other white folks that were, uh, and some are still my friends, so... uh <laughs> had to had to push it to the side, I think, for a little bit, and you know, regrets. <laughs> yeah. So then you say you you also moved around. So you
0: moved to uh, San Diego for some from some rapping career, which we uh, have, uh, you know talked a little bit. You talked about it in your uh, your dear Asian American podcast. Uh, one of the things I had a question was that a culture shock when you moved to San Diego from Indianapolis it wasn't, I wouldn't say culture
2: shock. It was more just, I felt good there because they call it like a transplant city, I guess. When Mm -hmm. I, when I was out there and then, you know, it's like a lot of people who aren't from San Diego necessarily, but live in California, want to come live in California. And I'd say that was one of the first times really that I had been outside of my own comfort zone where I felt like I fit in with the group of people um, that I had never met before. So it was good in that way. It, it was eye-opening, I guess, in that way, just to feel an acceptance from a group of strangers, uh, especially outside of Indiana. Mm-hmm. Were, were those strangers Asian as well? Um, a couple of them were. So mm-hmm. uh, I frequented a small dive bar where one, somebody who was a friend of one of my friends from back in Indiana, she actually was a bartender there. And um, there were there were a couple of Asian, other Asians that frequented there. So I um, was able to hang out with them and share some stories and laugh and drinks, obviously.
1: So I'm curious. um, So I know Nathan, you were drawn to country music at an early age, just probably Mm -hmm. because that's what was around. Uh, And I mean, like I grew up in Texas, so I don't really have a ton of room to talk. There's also a ton of country music. I'm very familiar with like 2005 Toby Keith. That's it. Um, But Patrick, what drew you to rap as a genre and um, as a way of expressing yourself versus a more, quote-unquote traditional or just different musical path
2: yeah um so growing up in high school i listened to very little hip-hop or rap music um i was very much an emo kid probably i guess you would say it was a lot of prog rock alternative rock just screamo stuff i still kind (laughs) of listen to that stuff today my favorite band that's kind of the categories they would fall in um and that's that's something that Fed into my musical just blossoming, I guess, uh, when I really started to get into music was listening to to things like that. And then in college, my best friend, he has always been kind of the musical guru of our group of friends, just always listening to something new and kind of setting the trends for the way we go there. He started listening. He was listening to a lot of this was Lil Wayne right after the kind of the Carter three came out um, and Drake was starting to become very popular and Kid mm. Cudi. Uh, was starting to become extremely popular. And um, I think I was just really drawn to the emotional side of like Drake and Kid Cudi, especially Cudi for the lyrics that he was talking about. And then I talked about it on Jerry's show, um, just being thrust into a position where everyone was freestyling and it was my turn and I just did it. And I didn't think I was very good, but I felt like I could keep the rhythm and I was just really instantly hooked. And so... That's what I spent my time doing in class, outside of class, was just writing lyrics and just writing and writing. And I just really liked the rhythm of it. And the fact that I didn't have to play an instrument to be able to express myself in that way. I'd always been something, liked to write. I I liked to write poetry and short stories and things like that, fictional stuff. And just being able to use those skills that I'd been developing through my formative years um, and then utilize them in that way uh, was really fun. So that's kind of what drew me into into the hip hop circle was not anything having grown up on it, but just yeah, doing it for the first time and then feeling connected to it.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because mm. I feel like I really got down with hip hop um, in my middle school years, and um, you know, I don't know, I just felt like being on on AOL and some Messenger. I kind of stumbled onto like that Asian movement. And then, uh, you know, later elementary school, I went to a public school. And so there were just more people around and, um, hip hop was a, as a big thing for them, uh, for the, the kids of color, uh, in that area. And so I was like, okay, hip hop, I'm into this. And this is, uh, you know, early two thousands, late nineties. And yeah. And then I watched fresh off the boat and, uh, that kid is like, yo, hip hop. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. I wasn't like him. Cause I was probably like his youngest, nerdiest brother at the time, just like growing up and, and all of that. <laughs> um, but I, I, I've heard other things about hip hop being big for uh, the Asian American community, especially in that kind of late eighties, early nineties time. Um, and I think even moving forward, as you think about the influence of uh, hip hop on K-pop and, and kind of all of those things. So, I don't know. It was just interesting um, to to stumble on that, and I'm always interested in like how, I th- especially in the quote unquote early days. Nathan, you can decide whether or not this is the actual early days, but in the early, early days, days. of
0: <laughs> my early days and your early days are completely different. No, 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 of the internet.
1: <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm not just <laughs> just uh, getting at you for your age. No, I'm just saying, in the early days of the internet, it, I don't even remember, because I was so young, like how we stumbled upon things. But I was, it was interesting for me to be like, oh, I was a part of that. Uh, and so just kind of retrospectively being like, look, I stumbled onto kind of all this culture in a way that, Nathan, you probably found later um, when the internet was more developed and you weren't just looking at books and Encyclopedia Britannicas.
0: Oh, my audio was through Napster. <laughs> if you remember you what that was. <laughs> and then, of course, MySpace and then eventually later some of those things. But yeah, oh, good times. Um, Yeah, so from San Diego and from your wrapping, you eventually went to Houston, also doing um, stuff after Hurricane Harvey. And then from there is when you really started your, your journey and, and started to consider moving or starting your own businesses, I guess. Correct? Yeah. Um, so tell us how that all developed at that point.
2: Yeah, so getting to Houston, I was just in a really big rut, uh, I think, having not finished college and being very wandery and not knowing what I wanted to do, never having made my mind up flopping in San Diego comparatively to what I had set out to achieve there. I remember there was one day, I was like on the verge of like a, a breakdown, basically. I just did not know what I was doing. And I had a really good talk with one of my friends, and I went home, and I was just reading uh, an article about the relief effort and at the end of the article is just like you know we're asking people to come and volunteer you know to, to whatever there's a lot of stuff that needs to be done and I just told myself all right this is what I this is what I want to do so just quit my job and uh, just worked um, worked at the food bank and, and do did lots of passing out food and things like that I really wanted to work at the food bank um, and try to get a job there, and it just didn't work out, um, and so I just came back kind of to Indiana with my tail between my legs a little bit, And but it was at that point I had decided, you know, this is the type of, and this is the line of work that I want to be in, um, and from there, it was just a lot of phone calls and text messages back and forth, just trying to figure out who do we help. And then my sister was like, you know, maybe we should do something with the fo- with foster care and stuff like that. And then just from there, it became older foster youth and just nailing down the specifics. And going through that journey, I came across one of my mentors when starting this. He said, if I could ever go back and do something different, it would be to fix one problem first and then move on instead of trying to reach into to every area and help as, as much as you could right away. So once I had that in mind, I was like, okay, we really got to focus and and figure this out. So we nailed it down to communication. And then from there, it was like, then it was like, okay, well, how do we fix that? And then it was cell phones. And then it was not just the device itself, but the service uh, and keeping that on and keeping the number being the same. And so basically uh, any business, it was research, research, research. And eventually, uh, we moved up to Chicago. And it was really there where I was like, "We're gonna, we're gonna do this." It just, just, just really a, a matter of timing and you know figuring out the right place to do it, and um,
0: yeah, it just kind of fell into.
2: Thank you. Yeah, it just yeah. kind of fell into place from there.
0: is that when did you meet your wife during that uh, journey?
2: In college, we were tangentially aware of each other. Apparently, people were aware of me because I was a rapper and I did shows and stuff, and people knew me through through that venue or avenue. Um, and she had always supported me in that she would always tweet about my stuff and we would message back and forth on social media. And then, um, so it was right before I went to Houston, we had started hanging out and then I was a little bit shy. So it took me a long time. And I, and I felt like we were, we were like, we both just want to be friends. I want to be more than friends, but I don't think she wants that. And so we played that game. Exactly. And so, (laughs) what we
1: have is so good.
2: It's really funny. There was a day where, when I decided I was going to go to Houston, I was like, all right, I got to tell her this. And so I tell her, I'm like, hey, let's go hang out. You know, let's go downtown. And she's thinking, he's either going to tell me we're either going to start going out or he's going to be like, we're just going to be friends. And instead, I was like, hey, I'm moving to Houston. (laughs) she was like didn't see that coming and so we still kept up correspondence you know i really really liked her at that point and it was just me not taking just saying hey let's go out and you know take it to the next level and so uh, coming back from houston it was it was slow going but uh in january we really started to go uh, of that year 2017 we really started You you
1: started going steady
2: uh yeah, it wasn't until April we officially became going steady. But, uh, <laughs> but that was,
1: but you were in
0: Houston for three years during that time.
2: Not right? three months. Three, oh, three months. months. So okay. I wasn't in Houston for an re- ex- exceptionally long time. I was gonna say that was, <laughs> dang. That's yeah. dedication. Three we years. We would not be. We would not be uh, probably engaged there at this point. <laughs> I think you would still be down there if
1: it was three years.
2: <laughs> I'd just be coming back. I would probably just be yeah. coming back
1: now.
0: <laughs> but so three months and and you came back and then that's when you guys started going out. That's yeah. Great. Yep. And then how did you, uh, since we talked all about my, uh, my, my, uh, relationship thing, how did you uh, propose?
2: <laughs> how did I propose? Yeah. So I had asked for briefly, you don't have to go too crazy. Just, sure. Just so briefly. we went on and ar- they have architectural boat tours in Chicago. Um, and so we had a, had this trip plan or this uh, day plan for a long time and our, both of our parents were coming up. And so I had already set this plan in motion. Hired a photographer, had him follow us around all day while we we're on the boat tour, and then nice. we walked to Millennium Park and uh, where the Bean is and the Buckingham Fountain is, and I uh, proposed to her in front of that fountain. Um, in so front of the Bean, no, in yeah, front of the fountain. In front of the fountain. That's in no. front of the Bean. So <laughs> it was. It was. Yeah. It, it went really well. Um, had perfect weather. Couldn't have been a better day. So. Nice. Uh, Did you
1: uh, like pose for pictures with the photographer at other points, or was the photographer just following you like a tail for hours on end until you got to the, the bean?
2: Uh, like a tail, pretty much. Um, there was only a, a short period of time where we were not uh, being followed, but um, yeah, that's a little.: terrifying. <laughs> it kind of was. It was. You funny. hired
1: someone to follow <laughs>
2: who I'd never like, met, and then in I person turned around before. and beat him up, <laughs> who I'd never met in person. But it was funny. We made eye contact. And right as I saw them, the photographer uh, uh, before we got on the boat, she was like, or Emily was like, "Who are you looking at?" I was like, "Nobody." Oh, there's my parents. (laughs) (laughs) So you'd never uh, met
1: the photographer?
2: No, I had went through about. Did you put
1: out an ad on Craigslist? No, single (laughs) man looking for person to follow white female. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, essentially, that kind
2: of is how it was. uh, Except the Craigslist was her friend. Uh, one of I don't want to diss how you proposed because I'm sure
1: it ended beautifully, but <laughs> wow, that story
2: is incredible. Oh, I, yeah. I get inquiries for that. Uh, <laughs> the proposal
1: photos,
0: it happens. Well, I, I feel didn't like even a creeper, think about though.
2: it. I had a, sure. it was kind of short, short notice too. So I was lucky to even find someone to follow us around. Not yeah, thinking yeah. of the creepiness factor of it, so. Um, and they showed
1: I, up in a black hoodie wearing black jeans. <laughs> yeah,
0: I almost dressed got for the Disneyland night. doing that. Because I was in the bushes taking pictures, and the guy came and told me, "It says, get out of here. You can't oh, do wow. that. And I'm like, uh. But, paid. Right <laughs> but, <now." laughs> but they paid
1: me. <laughs> then <laughs> They paid, paid me, me Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> it was really awkward. And then I said, go talk to them. I got to keep taking photos. So. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, it was an interesting but one. Have you at um, least, like, met
1: all of your clients, though, Nathan?
0: yes okay. i mean met in person yes but yeah. i haven't always been hired in person i have been hired okay, before sure. through like a zoom call or over the phone or things like that before so, right. yeah, so, so yeah it's, hired it's over sometimes phone, i it's do fine. meet them for the very first time at the actual shoot so standard um, little, industry practice yeah, it, it i just want to summarize your bad. story
1: it, it was you maintained correspondence with your friend so i'm imagining you sent letters to and fro <laughs> And then you started going steady. So we've gone from the 1800s to the 1950s. And then you hired a, a creepy photographer to stalk your girlfriend who would then become your fiance.
2: Classic 80s move right there. Yeah.
1: It's a, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: so. that's a pretty good summary of it. Pretty good summary. <laughs> On that note, when are you getting married? Um, in September <laughs> when the pandemic next is over. year. Yeah. <laughs> so we had already planned it for 2021. <laughs> uh not knowing about this nice. uh, that this was gonna happen so we didn't have. what if to you back. had known about this <laughs> <laughs> then i would well i don't know i don't want to i don't I mean, want to be a minor oh well, good well we'll, <laughs> we'll
0: make sure to live stream it next year so <laughs> we're, yep we're good <laughs>
2: absolutely we are gonna do one a show at our wedding i'm sure she would oh. love that
0: <laughs> among all of those things i guess we've moved to to being back in indianapolis you're You're engaged, and now you start listening to podcasts, and you start doing some discovery. What tell us how that happened?
2: Uh, So specifically, we had been watching Fresh Off the Boat a little bit, and then one day we were sitting there and we were looking for something to watch on Netflix, and we watched Always Be My Maybe. I remember just, Mm -hmm. I remember sitting there and when he's talking about uh, talking to Ali Wong about how she always used to cook with her mom, and that was her thing, and then that real familial thing of it i don't know what it was but i just remember turning to emily and being like i need to learn about my korean family and my korean like that just triggered something inside of me (laughs) and so i just really just started googling things and i know i had been listening to podcasts so i just went on stitcher and typed in asian american podcast uh in the search bar and dear asian americans was the first one that came up and i said this on the show but i will reiterate i looked them up on google or looked the show up on Google, and I was like, this is show has not been around for very long. I'm like, is this the one that I should be listening to? I, I'm how a big ratings guy. This? I'm a big ratings guy, so uh, I was doing that. And I was just like, I'm going to listen to this. And the first episode literally with Jonathan Wong changed my whole trajectory. I was like, I got to reach out to these people and figure out you know, how I can learn from them. And Jonathan Wong sent me that study that I talked about in Jerry's podcast and reading that was really eye-opening for me Um, reading about ethnic self-discovery and reading from the perspective of other Korean adoptees who grew up in predominantly white neighborhoods and with white families and how they just literally said words that I had said or heard talked about things that I had dealt with in my hometown and it was I was like a piece of me that had been missing for a long time just filled back up a, a little bit of that and so from there, it was the floodgates had opened. I was reaching out to people. Um, Jerry, um, he put me in touch with a lot of people. I reached out to the first Asian American Studies professor at IUPY here, and she reached back out. Everyone could not have been more accepting of what I was trying to do and the questions that I was asking and more helpful on just moving me along on this journey. Um, it's really been, it's been a lot, just doing a lot of different things, reading books. Um, and then, you know, talking with you guys, starting this, working with the guide foundation on their CAD town square project, which is, uh, something that's really ambitious and really cool to be a part of. Um, but really it's just been about, yeah, it's going to be, it's, it's pretty exciting, but really it's just been about the community. Um, because we are really Korean adoptees specifically are really unique, not just in the U S but in the world um and hearing these stories both good like in our cases or not so great like in a, a large majority of korean adoptees in america specifically so finding finding a community in, in a way that i had never found it before um has really been it's crazy to to think that i found that in two months you know so which is how long that i've been kind of doing this for so yeah, yeah
1: when you were uh, reaching out to all those people uh, i know you said you had a lot of questions what was i guess like the the foremost question in your mind what answer were you looking for
2: so the foremost question in my mind was where do i where do i start cuz i honestly at 30 had no idea where to even begin and today in the in the day of the internet there's so much information. It's almost overwhelming. And I wasn't a great student. I have no problem just reading stuff. Um, And especially if I have a mind for it or I'm single-minded in in my pursuit of something, I have no problem studying it. But just looking and really starting to dig in and do research, there was just so many things. So I'm finding blog posts about uh, success stories for finding your family, for your birth family, finding Mm. stories of failure uh, in in those situations. Just just so many, even in our community, so many different things that I just, I I was just really, every time that I spoke with someone, it was, you know, I don't know anything and I want to know as much as I possibly can. So
1: do you mean about like being Korean or being adopted from Korea specifically?
2: So specifically about Korean culture, I guess, but then also the Korean American side of that. So how like it for Jerry's show specifically? How it's that hyphen American and, and learning about how Asian American people you know survived in this country and came up in this country. I have a very a very tangential uh, knowledge of, of these things, you know, um, certain things that have happened throughout the history of this country. But um, I I'd never I I'd never sought that out. So wanting to know specifically, not just more about Korean culture, but how even in general as Asian Americans, that's that specific culture. So, so where do I start here and, and, and finding out about that? And
0: Excellent. there's a lot of different stories too. I mean, just from the reading that I've done with any adoptees around the internet, it's just so many different stories of, of where they are, what they found, what experiences they went through. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, uh, I mean, that's, I guess our hope for this show, right. Is, is to hear more of these stories. And, and so, um, And so, shortly after this, you decided to search for your biological family, and you contacted Holt.
2: Uh, so I was adopted through Bethany Christian Services. So I've reached out to them. Yeah, Holt is me. uh, I am Holt. (laughs) I am Bethany. Um, so I reached out to them. I've gone, I've started that process. I've just been, now I'm in the mode of collecting documents, things that they want to, to have and then getting the fees and stuff lined up. Um, mm-hmm. so I'm slowly doing that. Um, I'm thinking about doing some of the DNA tests and stuff too, just to see what I can find through that and then going from there. But I'm very, I'm very much in the infancy of that mm-hmm. specific part of my journey.
0: Yeah, like I said, I mean, for me, it took me eight months to get everything together before I finally submitted everything, and then from there, it was only two months before I heard something. So, uh, you know, once once you submit something, uh, you know, we'll see. I'm I'm excited to hear what uh, what follow up you have. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited too. What are the things uh, about your, I guess, this new venture with the guide and CAD Town Square? What are the reasons that you've gotten into helping them with their their projects?
2: Sure. Um, so actually, I can thank Jerry for that in a roundabout way. Uh, when I was first connecting with Jonathan Wong, um, he had reached out to Jerry and show him my email, and Jerry had responded with an article about the Guide Foundation and specifically what they're doing because they're extremely new. Uh, I think they're only about, I think they're four months into it being uh, an organization. But did you have the
1: same hesitancy and be like, mm, "Where's the social proof? Or are you like, uh, 'No, a I'm all bit. in.'"
2: A little really? bit, but then when I read about the mission, I really commit because it's, it's about Korean adoptee suicide and mental wellness and mental well-being, and a really diving into that and trying to address that. And I really appreciated that uh, mission specifically because those were things that I had never thought about or dealt with before, and I felt like that was something I wanted to know more about as well. So I just like I had been doing, just found the email on the website and just set it, sent them an email and just said, hey, I want to, outside of monetarily supporting this organization, You know what, what else can I do to help? And mm-hmm. they reached back out to me. And two conversations later, I was deeply entrenched in, in trying to help them uh, start to build this out. And it's been a wild, I can honestly say it's been a wild ride, meeting not only a bunch of new people, but just trying to help them with this extremely ambitious project uh take form and take shape. And it's been it's been really amazing to see the div- our diverse community come out and, and want to to put in the work and do these certain things. So um it's uh it's gonna be interesting here in the next couple of months as this starts to come together fully.
0: Yeah, they're launching what November first, you said?
2: November 1st. Yeah, I think yeah. we're going to be doing a phased rollout. Um so what Cat Town Square is just as a little bit of overview is it's going to be a it's going to be a one place where we gather resources, information and knowledge um about Korean adoptees, uh their experiences and um uh the advocate and allies that go along with it and you know, so adoptive family members, parents, things like that. And It's going to put everything in one place and be, make it somewhere where anybody, even non even non adoptees, can come and learn about this uh, specific topic. The wide variety of topics that fall under this one great umbrella, and they can do that at their own pace uh, and you know to to their heart's content or their their desire. Um, it's really it's unique in the fact that. It's gathering as much as possible to put into one place and make it very easily accessible. Not that you couldn't hop on Facebook and try and find that, but there are so many groups, and yeah. at some point it becomes not so much that we can't all have our own group of things that we're doing, but it becomes that we're now dividing things in it's one topic into multiple that doesn't need to be multiple topics. So mm-hmm. hope we're trying to consolidate all of that and put that in a place where anybody can go find it and you maybe not have to worry about going into a comment comment section and asking a question that you don't feel comfortable about and not getting a good response. So yeah. um, that's that's really the impetus for for what Cad Town Square is. And Facebooks get gets lost. Yeah,
1: I was just reminded of uh, the episode. I've been rewatching Legend of Korra on Avatar and or on Netflix, and uh, just reminded of the episode where all of the humans live in uh, different lion turtles backs, and then they're like. There's other humans out there, and they're like, "What? I didn't know that. I thought they're only spirits." And yeah, so I really appreciate what uh, what the Guy Foundation and, and and the heart about the the Cat Town Square is, because I'm, like when I stumbled into this, I was like, "What? There's other Korean American adoptees that that do like lots of other things and have all these other stories." You know, I was just like, wasn't even aware that a table was being built or that uh, breakfast areas nooks and crannies were had already been erected, you know? So it's just nice to, to go and the internet. Yeah. It's so huge. You're just like, Mm -hmm. is there a a travel guide who can help me navigate this? So I appreciate that journey a lot.
0: Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I don't know if there's any other things that people haven't, uh, um, you know, found that or not, or, you know, any information on it, check it out on Facebook. There's definitely some groups that uh, people can join and and help out and volunteer, because I know you guys uh, have a big community already, so.
2: um,
0: Yeah, I would probably get yelled yelled at.
2: (laughs) I'll probably get yelled at if I don't say, if you are a Korean adoptee, uh, do come and volunteer for us, because we can use you, so. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that's
0: great. I just volunteered some photos yesterday, actually.
2: Um, oh, nice. Awesome. Thank you.
0: So on top of all this uh, journey and everything, what do you think the future holds for for you? And what have you been learning about all of this in general?
2: I think the future for me specifically uh, on this journey is just to continue learning. Um, and, you know, hopefully, so one of the, principles of what cad town square is and kind of like a a little vision or mission statement would be to be the bridge between these disparate groups of korean adoptees uh, not just in the u.s but across the world and i think that especially with this show and jerry's show and then what we're doing over there i think what i've really come to to understand that i would like my role to be is to be one of those bridges um and to help connect and, um, spread awareness and just, um, sharing those stories, uh, just as widely and, and as far as we can share them. Um, I think is really something that I, I, I think, uh, when, when I talk about, you know, finding my true calling and, and doing the nonprofit work and stuff like that, I think it all has been kind of building into this. And I do truly feel at this point in time, that in the future it's going to be about being one of those bridges and and continuing to help share the love and spread spread the spread the good word uh, I mm-hmm. guess I could say. Definitely, yeah. You never know what uh,
0: you know what things will inspire other people down the road. Just as the little things that in the past that you discovered inspired you to do things, that's uh, that's the one of the things. It won't inspire anyone if you don't speak up or say anything. So exactly, I think. Yeah, I think that I think that's one of the things I love about this show and that what we're doing here. So, Uh, do you have anything, KJ, to add to
1: that? Yeah. um, So, like for me, my wife and I, especially just because we've been together for so long, we um, we've had a lot of talks about being adopted, and she's gotten the opportunity to hang out with my family. And I mean, I've even brought up things, but like, oh, I bet when we hang out in restaurants, it looks like I'm the one (laughs) who's hanging out with your family, not vice versa. Um, But what uh, just because this is all so new to you, and like you said, you're only at this point like two months or six seconds, as you like to say, uh, into your journey of of exploring your your Korean American identity and your adopted identity. What um, what's this done with your relationship with your now fiance, um, and how has this uh, changed you or uh, you know introduced new questions or, or things like that?
2: I think that it's been really trying to find the right word so she's always extremely supportive and i think it's only reinforced that um especially Mm. because this is something that's so close to um just me personally you know it really is something and it's something that i have never explored before and so not that i don't think that or not that i would say that she feels forced into it but i think that she wants me she's really what my, my number one cheerleader my coach and going after and pursuing this um and that way, uh, the only thing that I think that's changed is I think it's just strengthened our bond because for a lot of people, you know, that are adopted, you're wanting to learn about your family history, your bio family history because of health reasons and things like that. Um, and I think that was one of my impetuses as well for doing that was just so we have a we have an awareness of what could be coming for our potential or for our children uh, in the future. And so for me personally, I've always struggled with fully following through on things mm. and f- making sure that I finished what I started. And I think for me personally, and my whole life, what this has really changed in a good way has been, and even though it is two months, you know, so it's almost too, too short a time to tell, but I feel the conviction to follow through on this and to make sure that I see it through to the end, good, bad, whatever the whatever the outcome may be. I think that it's really reinforced that for myself personally and in our relationship, both my fiance or my fiance and I's relationship overall, it has then now amplified that feeling of wanting to wanting to see it through because it's not even really about me personally, almost at that point, it's about us and it's about our future as well. So it plays into that. So I think that's, that's how that's, affected us i think
1: yeah i get that Mm -hmm. um and then one question that i had while you were uh talking about starting your journey um you know arguably later in life than well certainly than nathan or i did uh and just feeling like maybe grasping for straws and asking just anyone and everyone like where do i start what was the best piece of advice or like the best place to start that you were like, okay, I'm going to do this now. And that you found was the most helpful. If someone else who's listening to this is like, yeah, I get that. Maybe I should start thinking about this. Where should people start?
2: Um, so I, <clears throat> this might seem a little bit harsh, but the best piece of advice that I got was that I actually don't really know anything. And so coming into this journey, not assuming anything that I know anything about the community has actually been really helpful Because as I said before, you know, I wasn't a great student, but coming at it, it's because, you know, I felt like I knew stuff already that I I was Mm -hmm. being taught. And now, you know, having someone have told, having another Korean adoptee tell me that as as they work to help me understand and learn more, I think that was the best piece of advice I've gotten overall completely, just because, you know, I come at it with, I can come at it with my own prejudices, biases, thoughts, formed already assumptions. And to to be able to tell myself that I don't know any of this, and so I need to come in with fresh eyes and with a willingness to learn, it's really helped me be able to be like to sit and be a little bit more understanding, reach just a little bit farther across the line to try and connect where I never did that. I would run away from the line when I was at, when I was younger, when I was in college, when I had opportunities to connect because I thought I knew, you know, I thought I knew this, and and. Just approaching it from that, from that, you know, almost infant mindset has been extremely helpful. And I'd say if you're ever going to go into a journey like this, don't assume that you know what's going to happen because you probably won't. I never would have told, I never would have thought I'd be doing a show, a a podcast and a show like this. Um, Not that that's specifically about the journey, but that's where the journey has led me. Um, And it's another, it's another stop on the way uh, to enlightenment, I suppose I should say, about. Not only Korean culture, but the Korean American experience and the Asian American experience overall.
1: Yeah. So it sounds like you. The best piece of advice was to be be ready to learn and unlearn at the same Mm -hmm. time.
2: Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Be open and do your own research. Yeah, but be willing to 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 take it all in
0: exactly.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Um, In the spirit of learning, I think it's time to try a new snack,
2: right? I love snacks. I bought two. Okay, I won't go. I won't jump ahead, but. (laughs) Mm-hmm. snacks are good. <laughs> good korean snacks i'm excited for it
0: what are we eating today so today we are eating shrimp chips oh, i
1: specifically nongshim shrimp crust.
0: nongshim shrimp chips these supposedly nongshim. are one of the top 3 nostalgic best favorite snacks in korea
1: correct i'm
0: nostalgic spicy. for them
1: and i you're nostalgic so you have had yeah. them many times yes uh, uh patrick I had them... have you had them
0: i have not like i said i'm oh. coming
1: in hot and fresh uh, I, on all i of am them.
0: also a newbie in this yes. realm too i have okay. never had these i don't and have
1: actually... the spicy bag you have the spicy bags yeah. but i don't so let's open let's start with the the not spicy ones okay so we can all right the same
0: time. i also used to hate shrimp too, just to forewarn
1: you, so. Perfect. I have a question, do we pick... have
2: to remove the tails? Before we do <laughs> No, this? ready? Uh-oh. Okay, just open it, here we go. Okay. Ugh, I can't even get this open, are you kidding me? Oh, I got it.
0: I might have to get to this. Okay. Woo! Shrimpy.
2: Uh, yeah, oh my flooded. goodness.
0: That is shrimpy smell. Yeah, wow. I told you, it's, a, it's an immediate, what's that's, that smell? It's immediate shrimp. I wish this was smell vision because I am smelling shrimp. But since I did not like shrimp, I have now come to love shrimp. So,
1: Yo, my cat's
2: going to go nuts. This have... tastes nothing like the smell. I'm going to no. eat all okay. these in 10 seconds. It does not. I it taste tastes like a that. chip.
0: It's a very slight hint of shrimp. Very slight. So,
1: I told my coworkers that I was doing this. And I, they said, what is it like? And I said, uh, it's like shrimp flavored veggie chips, if you've ever had those. (laughs) Oh yeah, it is like a veggie chip.
0: Yeah. It's it's a lot lighter than I expected it to be. I thought it was going to be shrimpy. I mean, it's it's mildly shrimpy. It's pungent shrimpy though. Like you can definitely smell the shrimp, but you can't really taste the shrimp. So if you don't like shrimp flavor, which, you know, I don't think you would notice.
1: So here's the deal. Um, I would bring these to summer camp. Mm. uh, And I would open them on the bus. or I'd I'd do them, so my youth group did, like, choir tours or whatever. And I'd open them on the bus, and everybody would immediately have the same reaction. Like, oh, what's that smell? (laughs) Whatever. And I was like, I feel so Asian. This is incredible. (laughs) You're that guy sticking up the bus. But... By the end of whatever we were doing, the first time I brought it, everyone was like, yo, can I br- can I have some of those? <laughs> and so next year, I brought them again. And again, what's that smell? Oh, wait, I remember this smell. Can I have some? And then by the third year, they're like, you brought those shrimp crackers, right? And I was like, oh, <laughs> you know it. Like, I became famous for bringing them. And all of my white friends loved them. Wow. Uh, it was really fantastic. So... Even though they are all like, what is it? They were like, I converted
0: them. It was so, yeah. so good. It's, maybe it's the anchovy extract powder.
2: Oh, Even the mushroom
0: extract. Oh, okay. I'm back in. It's kind of interesting. Um, it would not have guessed. Cream. Did you know that? So it's got cream in there. Lactose. Is not it? Isn't oh, yeah. it like so a I hope neither in... of you are lactose intolerant. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Aren't we all not, a little anyway. bit lactose intolerant? So they say. I don't That's know. That's what was, fresh
0: off the boat told me, and I have I no way to argue it. With them. I, I wow. never had any issues in in my uh, my younger days. So I
2: got over. I did when I was a baby. <coughs> so my parents didn't realize, or once they realized that, they didn't know what to do. So they kept feeding me just juices and things that were terrible, rotted yep. my front four teeth. Wow. <laughs> had to have them pulled when I was like four and, and oh. grew. Grew up without my front fours on top uh, all or until I was like in fourth grade when my adult teeth came in. So that was super fun. (laughs) Thanks, Mom and Dad, for putting me through that at a young age. (laughs)
1: Wow. That's pretty crazy. So, Patrick, you're into social proof. Give me
2: a rating out of five. Out of five? I'm going to give it five shrimps because I can eat all of these in about 20 minutes. I'm going to eat the rest of these tonight. I should, if, yeah. I'm giving it five shrimp.
1: We're recording this at dinner time for me, so I'm like very hungry. <laughs> I, I might finish this. I am too. <laughs> they, they definitely are like the veggie
0: chips, like you were saying, with a little bit mm-hmm. of a, the, the hint of, of seafood, I guess. But
1: Nathan, what's your What's your rating? Uh, How many shrimpies
0: I, out of five? I would give four out of five shrimps.
1: Four out of, four five, out of five shrimps? Why not five, five? Only
0: five? I, because of the smell. If, okay. if it wasn't as pungent when you first opened it, it that, that's what got me. Because I'm right. a very sensory person. So if, if it's going to smell like that, I want it to taste like that too. But if it doesn't taste, you know, if it's mild taste like it is, it, I don't think it should smell like
1: that. So you feel like it's a little dishonest.
0: Yes, because it might sway me from eating them at the beginning when I opened it. But um, once I started eating them, I'm like, oh, these are great. This is really tasty, crunchy, you know, and they're not too strong. So, um, yeah, I either want the smell and the flavor to match... Well, i don't know it's, but <laughs> four out of five is still pretty pretty good i, I mean i eat chips but uh, and it, i also the one i knock it one star just a little bit because I, I would like it to be a little saltier
2: you like really? so that, salt you like salt I'm, you?
0: I'm hoping that the spicy version is a little saltier and i don't know i know i mean what's the salt content on this even is it is it high i mean compared to like american snacks
1: I don't know, man. 7%. Yeah, 7%. percent in the whole I think bag. that's
0: pretty low for sodium on chip I feel standards. Like
1: I'm eating but, this, and I'm literally tasting the ocean. So I don't know. I couldn't sure. imagine how you want it to be. I can't like, even it's smell salty. the shrimp anymore. It's not that salty, but I feel like I'm tasting the ocean. Mm-hmm. So... And that's like again, that's a good memory for me. If that's not your thing, it's not your thing. I'm gonna give it. (laughs) I'm gonna give it four and a half out of five shrimpies because uh, it was too hard for me with this business to get it open. And I feel like if you want a chip to be snackable, it shouldn't. You shouldn't need a tool to have to open it. That tool including my teeth. You saw it explode yeah. all over the place. Oh that's I a agree. good point. That's I kinda want to
2: amend my I want to amend my rating and do four point seven five. Yeah, I was gonna demoted say demoted I
1: love <laughs> it so much. Yeah, I give it four point <laughs> seven five. Oh,
2: okay. Yeah. Percentages. Make this op- okay. easier to open.
1: Okay. And easier to find.
0: However, it does say right at the top, it says open here. So it does. No, give it does not. You, oh it does. mine, it does.
1: Oh, it does. All right, I'm blind. You're back to five. You're good. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna. My bad. Non-chip. Neither yep. of you opened it where it says yep. open here. <laughs> I did. Sorry. All right. I read it. Yo, digging into the spicy ones. I'm gonna. But okay. Who opens a bag <laughs> of chips like that? I'm keeping you. it
2: 4.75. Who doesn't open a bag of chips the way I, we open it? That's the. Well, that's now that's in my American coming out. So. My bad. I like salt, and I'll
0: quote The Simpsons where she's talking about her secret uh, <laughs> recipe, and she goes, the secret ingredient is salt. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's so that true. That was a really Sometimes, good impression. No, thank you. Oh, okay. This open here, I take that back. I'm almost going to demote it again. <laughs> this open here part is not opening now.
1: Nathan, I feel lied to, man.
0: I'm feeling like it's like a trap.
1: These are oh, so to good. end
0: up like you, and these are going to go everywhere.
1: Just make sure you do it on camera.
2: This is why i like this. Don't really have the space. With a there. pen, going for the jab.
0: Jab it. Alrighty. Shrimp spicy. Not as pungent. Interesting. Is, does it have a spicy smell? The flavor or the smell is Patrick, not can like you open yours? the other I'm one. I'm going to open it now. I, I would say that this oh. is a pleasant smell. <laughs> Mine opened hey, right it up. It has worked. So, Perfect. Okay. All right. Must so be Get salty. your crap together, Nongshin. <laughs> smell it. See, this one is supposed to be spicy, but it doesn't really look. It's got a. I can feel that there's more flavor to this one. This one doesn't even have a smell. Yeah, it's very very mild. I know. And it's also mild in flavor. I, I would say there's a little bit of spice to it, but not too much. It's just a hint. It's just a hint. That's a,
2: I don't know how to
1: describe it. Right, hint so if you of come something. come from a, well, that's what a soft Midwestern upbringing, you're this, not that used to spice. Spicy this, is still okay. Yep, and it's down on the smell.
0: I I would give this one a four point seven five. Yes, because I definitely like this better. It's the 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 spice part is definitely coming up in the end a little more, but mm. I would not say. I would definitely say these are better. It Doesn't yeah, hit you I like, like these a ones flame hot Right, no, no, flaming hot Cheetos are, are amazing, yeah. Oh yeah, those, flaming those can, hot,
2: pretty much flaming hot Doritos. That's my favorite flaming hot. this can, uh, those can I, hurt you. I don't you. even know though. I have, I like too many. I'm addicted yep. to chips. I'm actually just today started not said I'm not going to eat any more chips for like a month. <laughs> After this episode, So <laughs> Thanks, the, guys. And maybe the next one, and the next one,
0: <laughs> and the next one. I nice. yeah, I I prefer the spicy flavor nongshim. Good job. That's that's pretty tasty. Good job. I will Nong eat Shim. the rest of that bag easily. Because I know my kids will not.
1: I don't even know if there are any competitors out there, but our recommendation is Nongshim Shrimp Crackers. Yeah. They are like the OG shrimp crackers. Mm. Uh, Convert your white friends. Convert yourself if you haven't ever had them. Yeah. You didn't find these at Target, did you, Patrick?
2: No. This was at an actual Asian market.
1: All right, yeah. so you might have to go adventure a little bit. You can't just go to your local Target. but uh, However, they were
0: purchasable on Amazon, so you can get them there. Um, also purchasable at so, yeah. some
2: Targets that I saw on, on the Internet.
0: But if you like spice, go a little bit with the spicy one. That's good. Oh, so yeah, there you go. Boom. Perfect.
1: Nongshim Shrimp Crackers. Oh, yeah. Thanks for the memes. Mm-hmm. So that was our interview with Patrick. I hope that you enjoyed it just as much as we did. Um, It was a a good time. Patrick, where can people uh, find you, find your nonprofit, uh, maybe listen to your rap music, all that stuff?
2: Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Patrick in the world. Um, And then you can listen to my music at SoundCloud um, backslash Patrick isn't real. Um, You can find our nonprofit at all times Our Local. Uh, on all across all channels, uh, social media channels, except for Twitter, where it is all times the letter R and then local. Thank you, Jack Dorsey, for that. Um, as far as our show goes, you can find us on all social platforms as well at John Chi Show, and we hope to see you guys soon. We'll be, gonna be we're going to be connecting, doing a lot of things to to engage with everybody that listens, and uh, just want to say thanks for tuning in.
1: Yeah, thanks for all that information, Patrick. It was great. So, give us a follow, uh, send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. You can find me at KJ Relke, R O E L K E. Nathan, uh, you can find me at
0: walk Photo, N O W A C K Photo. Love being adopted by white people with hard no last names. Yeah, I know. No walk, no whack, but we actually pronounce it no walk. So. That's good to know, because I definitely I would
1: have gotten that wrong.
0: A lot of people do. That's okay. Um,
1: really? You can find out more about the Guide Foundation, uh, Patrick, by searching a thing in the Google.
2: Yeah, you can find out more about the Guide Foundation and the Cad or the CAD Town Square Project by just searching Guide Foundation on Google. You can also find them at the Guide Foundation uh, across all social handles as well, um, and then specifically the Cad Town Square Project is at cad town square across all of those social media channels and that's guide g-i-d-e that is correct yes there is no U. Yep. U is missing and we want to see but you, not for long bro. dang it i messed it up that was a lot better <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right uh, so thanks for listening we will see you next week bye